0: All right, all right, all right, <laughs> boy. Well, sorry it's been so long. I had originally recorded an episode like the day after Christmas that was kind of a Christmas e episode, and then oh, well, good old technology. I think my my computer died, or somehow the. Mm, Storage space got all messed up and it somehow got deleted. So it's been over a month since the last one, and boy has this month been eventful. So welcome back to Living for a Living with your boy Joey Bradley. Living for a living, baby. How you doing? (laughs) Ooh, like I said, man, it's it's been an interesting month. It's been an interesting week. I don't know if you if you could see the window outside behind you. There is a lot of snow where I am. I am back in Finland. And I never thought I would be so happy to be back in Finland in January. Especially after last year being here. Mm, I'll admit, January got, got a little depressing. But I'm excited to be here. I, I don't know how we're going to... I got a lot to talk about. Um, So I guess, yeah, let's just get into... I'm I'm a little rusty with this, you know. I did the one right after Christmas, but it was going to take... I I don't know. I've just been in a little bit of a funk lately. I haven't, surprisingly, I haven't enjoyed hearing my own voice. And so that hasn't made me want to record... Because I, I feel I've I've kind of gone through some little like uh, identity crisis kind of thing. I don't know if it's a quarter life crisis. I don't know if people experience this around 30. I don't really know if it's just given the circumstances of what's going on. But I just notice myself kind of getting maybe a little bit too invested and maybe not invested is the right word, but maybe too caught up in like the social media shit. Even though on the flip side, I was like saying I want to get away from it and I want to, you know, like distance myself from it. And to a degree I did, I I don't know, but it's just kind of an example of like you become whatever you put your energy towards. And I was like, kind of, I don't know, I don't know. That's that's one thing I am learning. One thing I already knew, but I I continue to learn a new version of it every day is I don't really know much. What I think I know, who, uh, who knows, man. That's uh, fuck. If there's one thing to know though, it's you don't know much. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I was starting to feel just like phony with like the living for a living thing because that kind of infers or entails that uh, or I think the way it gets interpreted by people is like you're having a great time or whatever and to be honest the trip the van thing which we're going to get into got some bad news got some good news got some new news it was a great experience but also i wasn't having a lot of fun all the time you know as as i mentioned in past episodes like the whole van life thing is completely romanticized on social media and maybe if the situation was different and the the setup was a little different maybe i'd have a different feeling on it um But I just, it was a great experience and I'm incredibly grateful for it and appreciative that I had it, but it's not something I'm like, I'll get into it more later, but I I learned that I'm not a van life guy. I'm a van trip guy. I might be a van guy, but I'm not a van life guy. And so just this like, I noticed it because I used to have my bio on Instagram and maybe this is stupid. But I used to have my bio on Instagram that said just a human being, everything else is secondary because I noticed so much in this like Instagram social media world that, and I'd commented, I've talked about this before, that people put their identity and kind of base their soul purpose and identity with those like first Few lines on social media bios, and I had changed mine, you know, to like podcast, van, football, or something. And so then I'm just psychoanalyzing myself right now, you know, the, it's much cheaper to do a podcast than go to therapy. And so then I wasn't doing the podcast regularly. I wasn't playing football at the time and then this van thing I wasn't like I don't know I I don't want to say I wasn't enjoying it but it was it was just tough and I I wasn't I wasn't enjoying identifying with it that's how I should say it I was enjoying doing it but I didn't really I like identifying with the van life persona and the way I felt viewed and 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 interpreted and that that really I shouldn't be bothered by that but I I was. And so when the, like those three things are like my things I wasn't getting any sales with the website which quick little segue, you know. Hey, check out the website live. Um I'm going to get back into plugging it, going to get back into designing some more stuff for it. I think I got some good stuff going with it, but Man, uh, starting your own brand is not an easy thing. (laughs) Um, And so, anyway, I just none of the things that I was kind of identifying myself on the social media, which is like uh, this—the internet is its own little reality in a way. And with metaverse and all that shit coming into play right now, like it truly is becoming an alternate reality. It it already is, but it's gonna become even more which is a little bit scary we're gonna get into matrix I, I have a feeling and so because I wasn't like enjoying or doing the things I was putting myself out there is what my identity was I was starting to feel just like a little phony and so then I didn't want to come on and talk about stuff and again you know I've tried to be uh, like straight up in terms of Saying if I feel shitty and saying if I feel good, you know, social media is such a highlight reel of how we experience life that it's not very realistic that, you know, no one's saying, well, I fucking cried last night because I miss my mom or, or, you know, I cried because whatever I, I was super angry and mad because so-and-so said this or did that or, you know, I want to, you know, I was whatever. And so just all these things compiling into just kind of feeling a little phony. And then when I'm in that space, I, I, I should have maybe forced myself to, to do it, but I just didn't want to do it. And so that's, you know, part of the reason I haven't been as active on the podcast. I think I need I felt like I needed a little break. I was running out of shit to say a little bit, too. You know, I felt like I was kind of just saying shit to say shit at certain points. Whereas now, man, I, I think I got, uh, I got fully loaded clips, you know. Um, but coming back to Finland, and just as I said, the trip was really necessary. Because as a blanket statement, experience shapes perception. And so, unless you can experience certain things and then also miss other things, you don't get that perception. And so, there are some things from Finland that I totally took for granted and didn't realize I would miss until I was away from it. And, you know, vice versa. Like, when I was back in Portugal, there were things that I was like, oh, shit, I forgot about this. Like... I really missed this or like on the flip side, like, man, I fucking hate that. And so, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just an interesting, an interesting thing that I'm not sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to learn it without doing it. You know, the, the, as I said, the, experience shapes perception. And I've realized over this trip that figuring out who you are, a big part of that is figuring out who you are not. And the only way to figure out who you are or who you are not is to do shit and try new shit and fail essentially or succeed. But then when there's something that you can succeed with, inevitably the other option is failure. And I wouldn't, maybe some people would look at this like van trip shit as a failure. But I look at it like super, super beneficial as a success. Even, even though, unfortunately, the van is dead now. And I don't even really know what's wrong with it at a certain point, as I've, as I've alluded in the first 10 minutes, I was just getting tired of it. You know, it's, I thought, as I've said before, I thought I was a van life person and I I really enjoyed that van. Like I loved building it. I loved having it. I loved the option, you know, to be able to go do trips in it. But the idea of living in it, I don't, I don't, that's not what i see myself doing i see myself having another van at some point but like doing weekend trips or doing week-long trips or two you know having kind of concrete mission things and i was just kind of free balling when i was out there and maybe that was part of the reason i didn't like it having no electricity in the van was tough it kind of created some issues with just charging the phone and having to stop in bullshit locations and waste time and also the covid things and dealing with vax passes and masks and all that kind of stuff that you know it just maybe wasn't the exact right situation for me and that's okay it just also the whole thing of being in van life that i didn't like was it felt like i was conforming to this non-conformity and if you know me or if even if you don't know me, I I enjoy, I take pride in being unique, I'll admit it. And while like the van life thing in a way is unique, it's also incredibly normal, especially out in Portugal, where I just never felt so uh like part of a group that I necessarily didn't really want to be in and then from the outside looking in I know that's like how I got perceived you know talking with people and like oh you're a van life person and it was just like this like kind of immediate judgment that I I don't put too much stake or too much too much value in but I just didn't like being in that box of rocks Especially also because mm, I felt that I met some cool people along the way Both other van life people And just like strangers But majority speaking I really didn't like A lot of the connections that I made Because of quote unquote van life Whether it be other van people Or whether it just be like random people as I said, that like lens that it got looked at in, I just didn't, I didn't like it. And I felt, um, I felt in a way the, it's ironic that a lot of the connections or like the people that I met in the van life community, it was a little bit like superficial, but not superficial in a, a materialistic way. But just superficial in the sense of. mm, and, And maybe I'm speaking. Maybe I'm projecting here. Maybe I'm just saying how I. But it was like people were hanging out and being together. Just for the sake of not being alone. Because if you do solo van stuff. Like, there's a lot of fucking time being alone. And I I enjoyed that and appreciated it to a degree. But that was maybe also part of the reason I didn't love it. Because um Vilma came and visited for a week up until it broke down. And it was a lot more fun kind of having a partner in crime throughout the thing. And so I noticed like myself and just People that I would end up hanging out with randomly when I was alone. It was not necessarily like I felt super connected with the person. Although there there were some really cool people I met too, to be honest. But I'm just... I guess let me finish this tangent. It was just more so like, oh, I want to be around somebody. And then... Maybe then on the flip side, like the disappointing side is then the the connections that felt good, that felt like, uh, oh, yeah, like I'd like to be around them or I'd like to see them again or hang out again or whatever. Um, Maybe maybe I got the impression from them that I was just like a, a space filler, you know, for them to not be alone. And so it was like a, uh, I don't know, like a a, a pulley system or something where for some people, for me, I felt like, oh, they're just kind of like a filler. But then for the people I felt a connection with in a way that I'd want to spend more time with, I felt like I was just a filler for them. And so it, it just ultimately then equated to not a lot of like, True connection and true feeling. And and so, you know, that's, again, something that I wasn't, like, super stoked on. Um, You know, I I realized real quickly, you know, well, I actually, I didn't realize this until I ended up renting a room in Lisbon for my last three weeks there. Once the van broke down and I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to be able to fix it or Or What and I realized like right away because the first day I had the room um, Which the story about how I got into this room in this house is fucking crazy I'll tell that after But I realized because I stayed in the room like all day Is I just missed having my own space and my own privacy where I could shut the fucking door and be alone, like truly alone. Because even though the van in a way is like you're alone, you can be sleeping in the van or in the van and there can be someone literally like a foot away from you just right outside the van. And so even though you're alone, you don't have much privacy in a way And so I just missed, I missed that idea of having my room because also the last month that I was here in Finland, I was staying at Vilma's place. And so again, like it just wasn't my own, I didn't have my own thing. And I've realized for myself in like the masculine, manly, the way I identify, I don't know if this is right or wrong but the way I identify with like being a man is like having my own space. And so when I wasn't having that, it's like in a way it was just making me feel like a lesser of a man. And so just that first day or first couple days in Lisbon where I had my room, like I didn't want to leave just cause it fucking felt nice. It just felt, and just to be stationary. And then on the flip side, like, to wake up and have a toilet and have a toilet at all hours of the day and a shower, I guess. Although in my place in Lisbon, I had like a bath. I kind of got into taking baths, which I'm like anti-bath guy. I don't feel like baths are good for getting clean. They are relaxing, though. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. You know, because I, I had the little porta potty kind of toilet in the van but I also, in my mind, like, I wanted to use it as little as possible because then you got to empty it and clean it out and do all that thing. And so I was trying to, like, delay that experience for as long as possible. And so, you know, I, I probably shit in more McDonald's across Europe than anyone has in. I bet I, I got to be, like, top five in McDonald's toilet usage for sure across Europe. Pretty much everywhere I went. That's how I'd search because also I'd charge my phones and, and computer there because you knew like no one was gonna bug you and bother you. Um and so like those were those were some things I realized like damn, I really value that. And you know, it's 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 different if you go camping and do a trip and you're away for a week and you know, okay, I'm gonna take a shit outside and you know, I won't shower, I maybe shower in a lake or a river or something like, but then there's a, a time frame that this is ending. And even though I guess I had that time frame also, like I knew, okay, I'm coming back in January, February ish. It was still a long fucking ways away. It's like, you know, it's like four months. So in a way it's like indefinite. So no, those are, are just some, some. Thoughts and and things I learned about myself, you know. But I, I before I started it, I was thinking, man, I'm gonna love this shit. It's gonna be fucking great. Yada yada yada. And again, maybe in a different scenario, it, it would have been. And again, I maybe sound negative, but I look at this whole experience and this learning process as incredibly positive And like, I'm super glad that I did it. I have zero regrets, even though because. In the big picture, I didn't have to spend that much money in order to learn this about myself, which in a lot of cases you'd have to spend quite a bit more than to quote unquote fail at this and then learn from it. And so I I really didn't have to I mean, I didn't have to it wasn't free, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like I'm I'm hurting now because of you know it, it didn't put me in a hole is I, I view it as money well spent um let's see let me let me look here i, I wrote a lot down for this one just because i was kind of it's this like a weird way to journal for me it's like a lot more enjoyable than just writing stuff down writing stuff down was is good and i was doing that on the trip um you know that was actually kind of supplementing for not talking and doing the podcast but you can talk a lot faster than you can write so these ideas can can form and um change and you know you can change paths and go on a different tangent much easier but last few things regarding the van life and stuff is... I mean, fuck. I, I do love that van. And I, I really loved the building aspect of it. Although I will admit... Uh, if the next time I do a build... I'll do it a little bit differently. I thought I was so fucking smart when I was building it the first time. And, oh, this is so functional. And this is going to be so good. And da 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 and then at like a month in, I was like, oh, I'm fucking stupid. Like this makes no sense. This is not how it should be. Like I had the little like table thing that would fold out that I thought was like the best idea ever when I did it. It was so obnoxious to have to get into that table because they'd be next to the bed and there'd always be shit there. Van life is just a lot of moving shit around the van. And then the other thing is um, in a lot of places in Europe, you know, you're not necessarily allowed to just park anywhere. And so there's this, especially Portugal also, because, and I understand this, is in Portugal you're not allowed to like camp overnight in any of the national parks. And they've made it so that the national parks, it's like, kind of in quotes like is all along the coast because over the last like five six seven years there's been a lot of van people that come from out of country and go there and then you know leave trash and shit in places and kind of ruin it for everybody else you know it's probably the 10 percent of the people that fuck it up for the 90 percent, but that's kind of how it is for everything and so because of that they're like super strict on that and then in turn you feel the portuguese people looking at you kind of like fuck you because again you're just all clumped together they don't know that they don't know I fucking lived in lisbon and I can speak a little portuguese and da 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 and I respect this and I you know I I'm not shitting just anywhere you know and but they look at you that way and and so there's just kind of this like constant little bit of anxiety um, about knowing where to park for the night. Is it okay to park here? Uh, will someone try and rob me? Will someone break in? Will I get a ticket? And then, flip side, that's a, something I realized I, I missed about Finland was like just the safety aspect of it. You know, I never feel in, in danger. Uh, anywhere really I, You know the, Even I got a story to tell after this Even even when I might be in danger I've, I don't ever feel too much in danger But I just missed the Like Finland is Relatively safe You know I didn't have I couldn't lock the van For the first fucking two months Three months that I had it It would just sit in the driveway Open Granted, there was nothing in it to take, but there was no second thought about, oh, the car needs to be locked. You know, and a lot of my friends here and people I know, like, it it reminds me of North Dakota in a way, where in North Dakota, we would leave our front door open all the time. Like, always. Even, we might lock it if we went away for, like, spring break, but even then, I think there were probably times where one or two spring breaks where we didn't lock it and so you come back and it's just open. And same kind of thing here where I know a lot of people don't even really lock their front doors, back doors, whatever. It's just there's there's a trust and a, a safety about it that you know, being in other parts of the continent, being in other parts of Europe, you just don't really have. And Portugal is one of them because I'll get into that story, I guess, right now, is my, the last night that I slept in the van was eventful. And so I had, the van had broken down pretty much in between the south of Portugal and Lisbon. And I ended up getting it towed to my mechanic's place, which, mm, I mean, he's a real mechanic, but I don't, he didn't really want to do much work on it is the impression I got. And then he also knows shit and I don't know. I, I kind of have my own thoughts about his, him, but anyway, so I had it just parked on the street at the end of his street, which also kind of bordered a main street. It was a dead end street, but the dead end was also next to a main street. And I asked him, you know, like, is it cool, you know, if I I sleep there and leave it there while we figure out what's wrong with it? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. And so I'm sleeping in there one night and I was fucking tired from the day. I think I passed out at like 8 p.m. And for whatever reason, I woke up at like 2 in the morning, 2.30. And I'm just laying in bed. And I made a mistake of I left the, the front door unlocked. And I can hear some people like walking up to it. And then I hear someone open the fucking door. And so I like spring up and yell, Hey, what the fuck? Get the fuck out of here. I don't even really remember what I said. I think I said I was going to fuck them up or something. And I'm sure I scared the people who were doing it. You know, it's probably just some like shitty teenagers, trouble, trouble causing hoodlum teenagers. And so they ran away, and I'm like, okay, I'm good. I locked the doors. Okay, that was, that was sketchy, but we're good. And then a minute or two later, start hearing just like, boom, boom. And I'm like, fuck, they're throwing rocks at me. And then, and it was like, at the moment, I was like, damn, they're just throwing rocks at me. Like, I'm not thinking they're trying to do it. Maybe they're not trying to break the window, but at the same time, I don't know. I think they are. And then one at one point was, a, or like, it, I guess that was the wrong sound effect. But it was much louder than the just normal booms. And the back window, pretty much right where I put my head to sleep, had gotten a rock through it. And it didn't really like shatter, shatter, because mm, there's like a, a tint, like a film over it. But it had a, a hole through it. And so here I am like, fuck, dude, you know, and the, that night before I'd fallen asleep, I'm really, I just learned the engine's fucked, you know? And so in my mind, I'm just going through like, well, should I, it'd be at least probably like 1500 to fix. What what should I do? I love this thing. Should I fix it? I want to fix it. It's my baby. I got it for cheap. It wouldn't be that much, you know? all these, these thoughts going through my mind of unsure what to do. And in a way that rock through the window was kind of a blessing for my mind. Because as soon as that happened, I was like, all right, it's over. Like, fuck it. And so there was no like second thought of like, oh, maybe I fix it. No, it was like, okay, it's been done. I had my time. I learned and that's the kind of, that's the climax. That's the the end of the movie. And so then like the next day, I was talking with the mechanic or whatever. And he's like, oh, and we only speak Portuguese. And he's like, yeah, there's, you know, a rock through the back of the window. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, it's a very dangerous area. And I'm like, Motherfucker. You told me I could stay there and it was be no problems. Like you couldn't have fucking said that when I asked, "Is it cool if I stay there?" Like is it all right? And he's and so in my mind I'm like, "What the fuck?" Like, you know, I'm a little bitter at that as you may be able to hear. And so that's how that's how the van came to an end and it is still exactly It's still at the end of that street. I was going to like tow it to another friend's house, but she lives in also a not very good area. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't want to spend a hundred bucks to tow it to an area where it's just going to get another rock through it, you know? And so then the, the next thing that came up was like having to figure out all right, well, where am I going to stay now? And for how long do I need to stay somewhere? And, and blah, blah, blah. And so, mm, you know, I used to live in Lisbon for two years, traveled there quite a bit. I have, I would say quite a, I have a, some friends there. And maybe in my mind, I thought they were a little bit better friends than what they turned out to be. Um, but again, that's also part of the like learning thing. As I'll get into it. And so I'm messaging people. I'm messaging people. I didn't even like ever expect to be messaging. That I know, you know. That I, again, consider friends. And it, for whatever reason, every reason under the sun. Which I don't think is an excuse. Just some people moved out of Lisbon. Some people have a wife and a kid now. Some people move back in with their parents. Whatever it may be that like no one that I knew had a spot for me. And that was kind of like a, a depleting feeling. Cause it was like, damn, you know, like, cause as I've probably said throughout, if you listen, you know, I, I hold Portugal kind of in a high regard in my heart and in my, and Lisbon and all that stuff. And it was kind of like, damn dude, Portugal doesn't hold you as high a regard as you think, as you think of it, and I don't want to. I think this maybe comes off like I'm putting myself as a victim, which I really don't want that to be, because I, I don't blame anybody or anything. It just, I guess, I expected something to happen, and ultimately it did. It just didn't come from somebody I was expecting it to, and so I finally. I'm like going through my phone and I'm at the point where I'm like, fuck, dude, like, you know, I guess I could stay in a hostel. I could stay in a hotel and but I didn't if it was only going to be a couple days, I really didn't want to spend that money, you know, if I didn't have to. And so I'm going through my phone and there was a girl that I would met when just traveling in Barcelona and I was staying at a hostel there. She worked at the hostel. She was a Portuguese girl and we had um just like became friends and you know we had like a good connection talking about relationships and all those kind of things and i've i've kind of like in a very short time i i view myself as like her like diary verbal diary to like tell problems to about her relationships and those kind of things and so I messaged her she had seen I posted a picture of being in Portugal and commented like oh you know let's get a coffee and we hadn't we'd hung out literally one time while I was traveling in Barcelona 3 years ago and so that's how like fucking desperate I was where I messaged her I literally said like hey I'm fucking kind of desperate right now do you have a couch I could sleep on like is there a room for a couple of days, blah, 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 until I figure this out. She was, yeah, no problem. I just moved to a new place, and there's plenty of space. Come, you know, come tomorrow after 6. I have to work, but come tomorrow after 6. And so I was, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I go there, and she just moved into, like, a friend, family friend's house, I'll say, for lack of a better word that was probably the coolest house in lisbon i've ever fucking been in it literally um like bordered the castle Sao george castle which is like the one on top of the hill if you've seen any pictures of lisbon you've for sure seen that castle so i was like i could from the backyard if i wanted to get up i could like touch the castle wall and it's probably like I i don't know how many families it was probably like six stories but because it's on a hill you don't really notice like how big it is in a way but it you know a, an aunt and uncle live in one spot the owner guy lives in another a different person and different like probably like six seven different living situations in it and so i remember we walk in it has a private gate and it's in like the heart of the city Private gate opens up with like six car parking, which is like unheard of in the center of Lisbon, you know, and I'm like, where the fuck am I? And we walk in and there's literally like a little chapel in the house. I mean, this is, um, uh, I don't know if I'll put pictures in order to, to show some of this or video because I took a couple to send to my parents. But it, it was a, a wild place. I mean, probably 20-foot high ceilings throughout the place. And long story short is there was the the room she was renting out or like the quote-unquote house she was staying in was just the floor that the guy I think who's in charge of the whole thing was living on is like too big of a house. So he separated and kind of made it into two separate houses with two one you know one is his space and then one is there's a the kind of living room and two bedrooms and and so we we're in that second area and there was another uh, Italian guy staying in the one room but he was constantly complaining about like his asthma and the humidity in the room and I think this dude just fucking liked to complain about anything he was an interesting character to say the least and so I think my like second day there, he moved out, and so I'm like, shit. There's a room opening up, and then by like this point, I know the co- the van is fucked. So I ask like, hey, can I rent that room for the next two weeks? And it just so happened that the owner has a few dogs, four dogs: German Shepherd, a big yellow lab, and then. I don't know what those other two kind of like little mutt. One was like almost like a Corgi Australian shepherd mix as I, I don't know if that's possible, but that's what the kind of combo looked like. And so the, they needed someone to take care of the dogs, take them for a walk, feed them for literally the time that I wanted to be there. And so I end up just talking with the guy who owns everything. And he said, yeah, like you can have the room. If you just feed the dogs every day, take them for a walk, yada, yada. And you know me. I love dogs. Although I felt bad for those dogs. They weren't living their best life. But eh, they had some of the best views in Lisbon for any dog there was that was getting fed regularly. But so I ended up staying in this room, as I had explained before, my room for two weeks in exchange for just taking care of these dogs and it was just a a beautiful a beautiful example of like wow the universe is working in my favor. You know, I've tried to stay positive throughout everything. You know, I'm a big I am a big universe guy, although I've felt throughout the trip and maybe throughout a few months, last few months like I lost a little bit of that one way or the other. And so it was just a nice little reminder of like, hey, dude, this is you. Some of that shit you were feeling like that, that still is you too. But that's not like, that's the ego you. That's not like the true, true you. And so, man, that was, that was how it went. And so I stayed there for a couple of weeks. I ended up smoking a lot of fucking weed over those couple of weeks, which in a way, um, You know, I don't really, I don't smoke when I'm here in Finland. It's just one because like, I really don't even like smoking that much to be completely honest. I I become incredibly unproductive and lazy, but also the weed here isn't very good. It's also hella expensive. We get tested, you know, once the season starts. And so like, there's all these reasons not to, I'm just, I don't really enjoy it that much anymore. Like I said, but Weed is a good like I call it like a a time traveler because and as I've admitted here numerous times like throughout my life I smoked from from 16 to 26 27 I don't even I smoked a lot of weed a lot but I could also say during a lot of those times like I wasn't super happy in the in the big picture and we especially like in college and like football stuff because you know whether it was self-inflicted or whatever I wouldn't be starting and so like when you're not the starting quarterback you, you don't you don't get to play and that's not why you're there doing it and so I've like now as I can reflect as I'm older and outside of the picture frame and I can, you know, look at the big picture, you know, I was uh, smoking a lot to like pass the time because in a way, as I said, smoking weed is like time traveling. If you do it a lot, like if you do it all day, every day, like a week can go by really fucking fast where you don't even really remember what, happened in that week you know and then especially if you're you know like at that time in college go to practice go to school go to practice go to workouts yada 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 where you're like you have some mission in mind you have stuff to do and then it would be the time you get away from that when you're just back at home that would like be the tough part but if as soon as you get home you smoke a blunt and play some video games watch a movie pass out next day comes like You just get into that rhythm. And so I definitely got into that rhythm a little bit for the the two weeks there. I also knew it was going to be like the last time I could do it for a while. You know, there's like a, I'm sure there's a little like inner addict in me. You know, I don't think weed is a physically addicting thing, but there's something mentally for sure in me after doing it for that much and that long and all those things. I, I'll admit it. I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and front like I'm some holier than thou person and it also like puts me in a state of being to quote Pink Floyd comfortably numb which also completely random I saw one of the best busker like street performer girls ever while I was in Lisbon like to the point where I gave her money which I normally I normally don't do just I just kind of have a, I don't know, a thing I don't, you know. But she played her own version of Another Brick in the Wall. We don't need no education. Where she liked guitar and then she'd loop it with like kind of playing drums on the guitar. And she was fucking talented. But anyway, um... Mm, What was I saying? Oh yeah, like weed just kind of like makes me comfortably numb where it's not necessarily like I feel good. Almost like there's like a slight depression involved in it, but it's a depression that's familiar and it's a feeling that's familiar. And so because it's familiar, it's, I'm comfortable with it. And after a few months of, as I, I think I alluded and explained to the beginning, where I wasn't very comfortable. But that was kind of the goal of the whole van life trip was to get uncomfortable and then to grow, which I think I definitely did. That's why I look at it with no regrets and like a success, even though some people look at it like, well, you wasted all that money and didn't accomplish what you said you were going to. I wouldn't want to fucking drive back from Portugal here. I would have gotten stuck in the snow and ugh, especially with all the COVID craziness that's happening in lockdowns in Austria and Germany and fucking everywhere, which don't worry, we're going to get into some COVID craziness because I got some stuff. But after being relatively uncomfortable for two months or so, three months before that, it was nice to have a little comfort, albeit in a way that might be slightly depressing. You know, I think, I think it's sad to say, but I think a lot of people mm, get into this rhythm and get into this habit where they almost like start to identify with their negative things in their life and their struggles and their shortcomings that if you took those away from them and life was great and perfect and all those is they'd almost be longing because be, they would be longing for these struggles because that's how they kind of identify themselves in a way. And, and I'm, I'm like, I'm speaking about myself, you know, really, because I kind of find some solace and some, I take a little bit of pride in like, Having this weird struggle even though like I think my life is great and I really don't have to struggle much especially here in Finland It's kind of a nice thing about it Um, But it's like I almost take a little pride and I think we all do in like feeling misunderstood and feeling mm, Judged and feeling Unhappy at times and feeling like you're the only one and ironically, I think a lot of people feel this way And so you're not the only one, you know, in that, in that regard. So, trying to think, is that, before I, I kind of change topics, um, hmm, I, I guess, okay, let me, let me look at my little notes here about... Okay, I got a couple more things before we get into COVID insanity. Shout out to my guy, Henny. Probably number one fan of the pod. No disrespect to anybody else. This one could be a long one, my guy. Also, unfortunately, your uh, gas tank is in Portugal still. So I hope you weren't expecting to get that back. It lasted me... For a long time, actually, when I was in Poland, my boy Henny, who I played football with in Poland, and is as I said, number one fan of the podcast, gave me a, a what's it called a propane tank because the one I had from Finland had ran out, and yours ran out once I got to Portugal, actually, like thir- or actually like halfway through Portugal. Ended up having to buy a Portuguese one because the Polish one, the Portuguese one was different. So at a certain point at the end, I had three fucking propane tanks in the van. I was a driving bomb, essentially. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Let's see here. I guess uh, one thing, you know, throughout the trip and, and part of the. Something I learned that I didn't really want to learn. <laughs> but that's always the best lessons. It's like people and places change. And including yourself also. And this kind of pissed me off in the beginning. And I viewed in a, a little bit of a negative way. Or I viewed in like a, well that's not how it That's not how I remember it. And that's not how it was when I was here. And then I like caught myself and I was like, well, bro, you're not how you were when you were here either. And so it's super naive of you to think that everything's just going to stay the same. Even though you're not staying the same, like that's incredibly hypocritical. And, you know, I, I mainly felt those things like when I was in Poland and then especially Portugal, because like, oh, you know, it's uh, whether new buildings or a restaurant moved or closed or, you know, a, a friend didn't feel so much like a friend or whatever the thing was that was different. I, I kind of was like mad at that to a certain degree. And it was just like a good, a good uh, realization. It's like, dude, like everything's constantly changing. And that's change is the one consistent thing. And I think, I don't know, scrolling TikTok or some social media is like someone was saying, you know, there's some wise person that says, like, the phrase that you need to know and remember and learn or whatever is like, and so it shall pass. Whether you're feeling bad and feeling like shit and the times are rough. So it'll pass. But then also to know on the flip side. When things are going good and you're enjoying life and. Can't go wrong. That eventually will pass too. And things will change. And. And. You know, it was a lot of a lot of these things. I I think I sometimes you got to learn again. A lot of this shit that I'm saying about people changing and uh, not expecting anything from people, and uh, so it'll pass. Like I felt like I learned these things three, four, five years ago, but sometimes you forget shit you learn, and then you got to learn them again. And so that was that was like the thing that. You know, Portugal, for instance, one of my favorite places in Portugal is called uh, Panoramico de Monsanto, which is like an old abandoned restaurant in the forest area. That when I lived there five, six years ago, it was like technically illegal to go there. It was fenced off, there's a hole in the fence. Portuguese people don't really follow the rules very well, even if they have strict ones, although they do follow the fucking mask rules. Jesus Christ, mask Nazis in Portugal. And so you kind of had to sneak in there and you could like get all the way. I mean, at a certain point when I was living there, you could get up onto the roof of this old restaurant. I mean, it was one of the coolest buildings, locations. And as it says in the description, panoramic view of all of Lisbon, like 360 view. And I don't know how long ago, maybe two, three years ago, they like kind of, you know, there was broken glass everywhere, kind of trash everywhere, but they cleaned it up and it's now legal to go to because at certain points when I would, I would go there when I lived there, like, I remember one time I went with the, the, I had a French girl as a roommate and like the cops would block people from going or like hang out on the road. So like people and like turn people away. Or at certain points, like, I've been in the building and, like, cops have came up and, like, told you to leave. You never really gotten in trouble for it. And so one time I went with the French girl and there was a cop, like, on the road leading up to it to get there. And so we, like, it's in the middle of a forest. And so there wasn't any, like, real path to go to. But say the the building was here and like the road like went in like a curve you know and the cop was like at a certain point in the curve we went through the forest and at one point we're like swimming through fucking trees to get there and that was actually one of the most fun days ever like just to you know it's always kind of fun to break the rules a little bit you know and so anyway the whole point of this is Now that place is like legal to go to. You can park there. It's open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's super clean. They've kind of like boarded off and caged off certain areas that you can't go anymore, which you can't even go upstairs, not even to the roof, but to like like a tower, like an observation deck is I think what the best way to say it would be, which it's like, and then they, they put in a new, like, I mean, there's some really great street art and graffiti there. And then they put in a new, like stained glass window thing. That's like, says like equality or something on it. And it just like, I'm all for equality. Don't get me wrong. But just the entire combination of the things being caged off, the whatever, just, like, reeked as, like, unoriginality and, like, the the system taking over. You know, it used to be kind of this underground cool thing that was illegal. And now it's, like, this, like part of the system thing. And I just, I I went there like my first day that I got into Lisbon. And I was like, man, times are a-changing. Times are a-changing. And then the other funny weird thing is like, there's a equivalent, basically like a Portuguese Starbucks. They have Starbucks, but they have this other place called a Padaria Portuguesa, which is like a Portuguese bakery, translated. And they had a breakfast they used to have a breakfast menu that you got fresh orange juice, a coffee and uh, like a kind of little breakfast sandwich more or less for 250. And now that motherfucker costs 350. And so it, it, I also kind of had fun being like, "Wow, man, back in my day, I remember when the breakfast menu was 250, because 250 is like a good deal. 350, it's like you're kind of just buying all the things individually in a way. But then I also I went back to my little like sandwich spot, my lunch spot, the one place that I would, I would spend money on food out there. And ironically, nothing had changed there. And I don't think anything will ever change there. I mean, the same people that work there are still working there. They remember me. Prices were the same. Food was the same. Soup was the same. Uh, they don't have fresh lemonade anymore, though. That was the one difference. But that was also, I guess, a nice, a nice reminder is like, well, some things don't change, you know, like everything The one consistent is change. but there's also some things that do never change. And it's kind of navigating and figuring out which is which. All righty. All righty, man, this is I'm flowing. I'm going and flowing. This is a, like I said, a. It's a long one. I still I got a lot of shit uh, written here about COVID. Um, I guess hold on. Let me let me again just double check. I, yeah, because I want to I, I want to finish Portugal, and I guess one thing I forgot to mention about and this relates then with things changing and yada 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 is in regards to and how I ended up getting that room with a friend that really, like, she's a friend, but, I mean, now she's truly a friend that I know I can count on. She can count on me. But I didn't know that before. And so, like, what I learned then also, I think it relates with the changing idea is in relationships and friendships and stuff like that, even like, you know, family. I think a lot of the time we put a big emphasis on time and, oh, you know, I've known them since third grade and I've, you know, I've known them for four years or five years or whatever it may be and time necessarily doesn't equate to Uh, it's not, it's not the best measuring tool for figuring out if someone's going to be there for you or not. Like time is, time is relative. And in a way there's like no such thing as time, not to get hippie on us and philosophical, but like time is relatively unimportant to a degree. And especially in those things. And so like someone that you've known forever might not help you out or whatever, but someone you just met and have only known one or two times could help you. And then vice versa where like someone, you know, forever could, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but it's just like in our minds, I think a lot of the time we, we get caught up or I get caught up in like, Oh, well I've known that person for so long. Like, just based off that fact they should help me out or they should do this or or not do that or whatever it may be and that was just like a big like ah light bulb go off that like bro time doesn't fucking matter like at all it's 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 the now like what are people doing now and how are how are they acting and and in the now like yeah, maybe someone was really nice to you for fucking five, ten years, but now they treat you like a dick. Fuck the five, ten years. Like now is w- what matters, and so that was just like a a thing that came up in my mind throughout all this, and I don't, I don't like have any beef or anything with anybody at all. But it was, I'm just grateful that I got to learn that shit and and kind of get reminded of it. And, um, yeah, the, I mean, the other, like, one last thing on the change of things being different. is a big thing that I loved about my time in Lisbon was having my homie Sanjuk there. And his Nepalese restaurant, which I lived right next to. That was kind of like my main hangout. And uh, hanging out with all the Napalese guys and just like the other people that came, his restaurant was truly like a community spot. And that was, that was like a big thing I miss and I enjoyed about being in Lisbon is that feeling of community and feeling like I am, I'm, I'm a part of something because especially in the winter here in Finland, you don't really get that sense of community because people don't really talk to each other, you know. People don't make eye contact very much. There's no, you know, quote-unquote bullshit conversations or, or you know, hey, how's it going? But there, that was something that like I really missed. But Sanjuk doesn't live in Lisbon anymore. He lives up north, and I saw him as soon as I arrived in Portugal. He was like the first guy I went and saw. I'm Sure, I've said this already. I don't know um sorry if i'm repeating myself but shit it was a month ago so you don't even fucking remember either so it was fun though to go and see all the other nepalese homies because of him and because of his restaurant i know quite a few of the nepalese guys in lisbon and then after going to nepal with him like And I think maybe a lot of them have probably maybe seen some of the vlogs. Like, they have a respect for me because they know I know their culture a little bit better than just the normal fucking white dude with long blonde hair. And so, you know, I ended up going to this other Nepalese restaurant that the guy who owns it is from the same city as Sanjouk. I went there like, hmm bunch of times. And I, I, the place I was staying was only like five ten minutes away from it. So that was nice. And that was just like another, uh, cool, cool reminder is like, okay, again, you just, you find out who is, like fucks with you in a way and who doesn't. And, and, um, you know, I've gotten a little more quiet on social media and stuff like that throughout these times. Cause it's like, Mm, I guess like a little inner test of just like, all right, who really fucks with you? Who, who's checking in? Who's not, you know, I don't expect anybody to check in, but it's when you get real silent that you figure out who really fucks with you and who cares. And mm, I've learned probably, and this is going to sound depressing. I really don't mean it depressingly, it's like a lot of people don't really fucking care. But that's also a, a, an idea that I've held in my mind. And ultimately, like, your mind is going to create your own reality. And so I've kind of, throughout my life, for whatever reason, I can't exactly pinpoint. Well, I can't. Uh, maybe I can. Let me let me say it, and then I'll get into it. It's like, nobody really gives a fuck about me, in a way. And that's okay. Like, I care about myself more than anyone cares about me. And that's how it should be. You should care about yourself more than anyone else cares about you. You know, that's just how it is. And I think we we fall into this, like, false sense of stuff where, mm, you know, I know we all want to be cared about. I think that's, like, a human desire. I know for myself, like, I do want that. But to expect it is probably the mistake, maybe. And I'm just wondering, I don't know exactly where it stems from for me. You know, I had good parents growing up. I think a big thing like um, of kind of the combination of like feeling like people don't care and then feeling like I don't belong is mm, like when I probably like, stems from something to do with football. I think because, you know, I didn't get recruited out of high school and it was kind of like the coaches there in high school. Well, first I got in trouble. My junior year got arrested for smoking weed and all the other, the three other guys that were with me got their starting jobs like right away. And then I didn't get it back right away even though I was for sure I should have been. And then whenever I performed, I like did well. But then I also, I can remember this like way too vividly. It's kind of weird how certain things in your mind really stick there. And you don't know like the little traumas that you go through when you're younger that are going to like stay with you and kind of fuck with you throughout your life that you need to address and accept and like get over. I saw a tweet today that said something about like, you know, if you know something like protect your mental health by if you not choosing not to look at things that you know are going to trigger you. And I was like, that sounds like the most head in the sand victimization mentality. Like, yeah, like maybe don't consume yourself with things that you know you're going to get triggered by. But what about maybe like addressing them, understanding why they trigger you, why they make you feel a certain way, and then eventually and slowly getting over it so that you can then grow as a person. Yeah, it'll be uncomfortable, but uncomfortability equals growth. And so, anyway, this example that sticks in my mind is we lost this one game to a team we shouldn't have lost. And I don't think I played very good. I I always got thrown in in a situation where it was kind of like we're fucked no matter what. And I can remember the O-line coach after the game. It's kind of a long walk to the locker room. Was behind me and just like fucking getting in my ass about... We, this season's all fucked because of you, Joey. You know, you fucked it all up. Yada, yada, yada. It's because of you. And, you know, like, putting a lot of fucking blame on a 17-year-old kid. You know, a grown man. Like, reflecting on it. I couldn't imagine. He was probably around my age now, the coach. And I couldn't fucking fathom talking to a 17-year-old the way he talked to me. I really can't. And putting that blame on him. And like I guess also like in that little that, that was probably like a big thing uh in my life because one of the guys that I got caught with was literally my best friend from like 3rd grade and you know, I knew his family, all that shit. I'd spent the night like every weekend growing up and when that shit happened, it was like the family kind of like disowned me as a friend and and as a part of the family in a way and said like, you know, he can't hang out with you anymore. And so we used to like kind of have to hang out in secret. And I told him, I was like, bro, you can tell, you can tell your family, like whatever you want. He was smoking, but he was like the golden child of the, the high school, kind of the golden family. And I was like, but you you tell, you can tell people whatever the fuck you wanna tell them. Just tell me so I know, so I can relay the story. And, like, he told everyone, like, he wasn't smoking, that he was just, like, in it. And so, like, I was, like, the real bad guy because it was the bad influence that had the golden child with them. And and he got caught and fucked over because of all of it. And so after, like, kind of seeing how that went, you know, even with him, you know, looking back, kind of fucked with me because I didn't, I thought we were... I don't know. And so that combination then I then I don't get recruited in high school, man, this is such a fucking therapy session, huh? I don't get recruited in high school, and so like my coaches were only trying to like talk to me about D3 schools and I was like, "Yo, I I just I think I want to try more than that. I have no disrespect for D3. I think it's a great level, great football, but that's just not what I envisioned. Like I didn't want to stay in Washington and It just was like I felt not cared about and kind of like whatever. And then throughout football, for whatever reason, and probably like my own mental thing because of some past experiences and whatever. Like I just always at like every school kind of just got the short end of the stick in regards to coaching and, and playing. And, you know, I ended up having some successful years But they were always after, like, a really shitty fucking time. But, like, as I say it now, that's good learning because it's like, okay, you know, some of your darkest nights lead to the most beautiful sunrises. And as corny as that fucking sounds, it's true. And so now, looking back, darkest night, getting almost robbed and windows smashed in a van and not like breaking down and fucking and and going in the tank over it, but knowing, you know, whereas five, ten years ago I might I might really struggle with that. you know there's there's been a time when, well, a time I think I lost my mind after I had just gotten arrested when I was in college, driving back to North Dakota and spent like twelve hours in jail. And then I had to keep driving to North Dakota. And then I hit a deer that next night, which totaled my car. And I had a little fucking mental breakdown at 21, 22 years old right there. That in the same way, like I can, it's weird. Glass was broken in both the deer crash and and a car was involved in both the deer crash and the van thing. Or like looking back 10 years ago, like... I probably would have lost my fucking mind for a day or two. But throughout the experiences, it's like, okay, like, just relax and, and know it's going to be okay and it will pass. So I don't know exactly where I was going with, I think I, I think I got, I got that all therapy out. Um, I'm going to go. Uh, I wanted, I know I've probably talked a lot of negative shit about maybe it feels negative about Portugal and the van stuff and yada yada so I want to like finish that on a, a positive kind of note and so my last week with the van was actually like probably one of my favorite ones since the first few weeks that I got it because Vilma had visited and was, was with me and we did some like fun shit and saw some like cool stuff and um it started like our, her second night there. We end up going to this kind of rave concert in Lisbon. And I had invited one of my, or I asked one of my friends if he was going to go or what he was doing that night. And he's like, Oh bro, you got to go to this concert. I'm going. So we end up going and we had a, we had a good night. We, we did, we had an experience. If you can read between the lines on that one. And, um, but he told me like, hey, make sure you buy a home test before, because this is December 1st or December 2nd, and Portugal had just changed the rule that in order to get into venues and restaurants and whatever, you have to have a negative test, no matter if you have a vax pass or not. I think you also have to have the vax pass. I don't know. So anyway, we brought fucking home tests with us to this rave that's in the city. We end up not having to use them. It was a super fucking fun night. It was a DJ called Grouch. Was like New Zealand New Zealish. Yeah. And he was dope, like kind of trance in a way like uh like there's something like incredibly religious about like someone playing music like that and it being dark with lights and like everyone dancing. And I don't mean religious in like a mm. like Christian Jude like or maybe I should say tribal, because there was like some weird, like, you know, I might have had some influences in me as well, but there's like some like little thing that, uh, you know, I, I felt to a certain degree, like there were some like weird spirits around and, and demonic type of things that, you know, I can, I've watched the, tv show vikings a little bit you know they'll have like full moon parties or whatever it may be that are like incredibly um spiritual kind of and i was like damn bro like this is like a historical type of thing that we now have just kind of normalized to a degree and we i don't think we understand the power of it and so we did that one night and the reason i felt like some little like demonic entity had entered my atmosphere it was like we took the we took the uh we took an uber back to the van from the venue and we where i was parked was like a really good parking spot actually for the van but you had to like go through the forest to kind of get there which sounds weird being in a city but you've had to and it was taking a while and And I kept kind of thinking, like, Vilma was kind of, like, freaking out a little bit, thinking, like, oh, like, the Uber driver's going to, like, do something, I think. But I also, in my mind, like, while she was kind of freaking out, was, like, thinking about, oh, yeah, like, what if the Uber driver killed us? But then I started, like, flipping the script on it, and I don't know, like, I'm going to write a movie about this, I think. But I was like, well, what if we killed the Uber driver? And then we went and picked other people up. Like I had this like full like fucking crazy, you know, I'd never do that, but I had like this like crazy thought that it would be a really good fucking movie. I've got it kind of scripted out. But I realized like when we got back to the car and I was telling her about that, like she was kind of sensing that, but from a different angle. And I was like, yo, there like, there was something at that little rave that like got inside of us one way or another and so anyway that maybe didn't sound like a fun night but that was a really fun night and then then we went down south which is like great weather great thing but it doesn't feel like portugal because there's more fucking germans and and french and danish and dutch and whatever like down there than there is portuguese and it's like that's where Uh, Like, I've never seen so many vans. And that's where, like, I saw some really, really cool vans. But that's also where I I just felt so unoriginal. And I didn't like the box that I was being put in or or being considered that I was in. So we went down there. And then, ironically, we went to, like, a kind of famous party down there that is, like, everyone kind of knows about. And it's in, it's at this like eco commune hippie place. At least that's how it's advertised. In the middle of the forest. And we get down there and there's signs that say like Vax Pass and test required to get in. And I'm like, oh, "That's." I'm sure they just like have that for the looks, you know. And sure enough, we get up to the front door or the entrance and got to show pass got to sh- got to take a test a home to so luckily we had a home test from the original rave and we're sitting there i've never i've never seen something like this like the ultimate van life hippie long blonde hair you know like I, there's millions of guys not millions hundreds of people that have my vibe there everyone's with a little q-tip up their nose swabbing it like the system and then you had to wait you know 15 20 minutes for the results to come back and then you could go in and then it cost you know like 15 20 bucks to get in you got free pizza with it which was actually really good pizza and the the venue or the location was fucking awesome like felt like you were on a movie in like a movie set and there's two different stages and it was it was a cool it was a fun night but it just like made me laugh like the irony of it all where two days ago we were in lisbon in the city in a closed environment like you know a small bar kind of it was a bar not a club no vax pass no test needed and then here we go out into the middle of the fucking forest everything's outside it's literally dirt floors completely open. And we have to show VaxPass and take a test in order to get in there. And to be honest, like the home tests, I'm sure they're not 100% accurate, but neither are the fucking doctor test either. And so I, I truly, if this thing is, and now I'm transitioning a little bit, um, yeah, let me see. Did I have anything? Yeah, that's, 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 I, I guess I'll, I'll finish real quick with the van and that week that, with her it was like, we had some great days down South going to go into the beach, swimming in the ocean, doing all those things where it was like a beautiful ending to the trip that at times wasn't that fun. And so it was like, I have nothing like, I'm really glad it ended that way. Because it, it made me feel like, all right, I I got what I I wanted. You know, I, I also got what I needed, but sometimes what you need isn't what you want. And so back to the the idea of if if this COVID and now I'm getting into COVID stuff, so if that's not what you want to hear, maybe uh yeah, let me see. Yeah. If if you don't want to hear COVID stuff, then Peace out. I appreciate your time, because um, I know I, I don't want to talk about it that much. But I've just seen some shit over the last few months that, again, make no sense. It makes sense in a way when, but, um, and so if if this thing is so fucking serious in the pandemic and da 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 da, like I truly don't mind having to test before I go into an event like that, or if you're going to go to a soccer game or a or a Seahawk game or whatever like I don't think you should have to do like a fucking government assisted test because obviously I'm not a scientist but I can't I can't think that I can't believe that the home test and the like antigen test that you get from a doctor are too different yeah maybe they are like slight you have a professional doing it but all you gotta do is fucking put a Q-tip up your nose, put it in the water, pour the water on the thing. Like It's not like it's some fucking scientific process where you need a Bunsen burner and all this shit. And so my point is if it's this thing that is so serious and so fucking problematic that oh, we wanna limit this and that, I'm cool, like the home tests are like five or six euro, I'm cool with having to take that in order to get into a place like a like a cover charge, you know, to get into the bar because then you know almost with certainty that everyone in there doesn't have it. Which that's if everyone doesn't have it in a place, then it can't be spread, right? But then what makes no sense in this whole spiel? In, to get into the place down South, the rave hippie party was you had to show Vax pass and have a negative test. And so to me, what fucking difference does it make if, if you're taking a test and you're negative and everyone's taking a test and they're negative, what difference does it make if you have the vaccine or not? And, That's going to be slowly a theme of what I'm going to be talking about here. Is like, what's now the fucking point of the vaccine? Because also in certain places, I think in Germany now, you're not considered vaccinated unless you've had the third booster. Which we'll get into. Because a lot of conspiracy theories a year ago are now accepted and true nowadays. So I'm at that little hippie party. And again, with... Maybe another thing that I realize is like part of me feeling like uh, the van life stuff is a little superficial and almost like phony in a way is knowing like, you know, maybe maybe a lot of these people had a fake fucking Vax Pass or whatever. But like thinking like this thing that all these kind of like people, hippie people are preaching their certain way and then meanwhile are like abiding by that I, and then the place that it's at is like, yeah, hippie commune, eco-friendly. And then they're just like fully abiding by the thing. And I get they got business to run. And that's what I learned real quick was like, this place was about business. This place was about fucking money, not about peace and love and that kind of shit. And so that's like part of the reason I think I've felt that little movement is a little fake to a degree just like anything probably. And so anyway, I'm sitting at this party and I'll start randomly talking with this guy who I think is going to be in agreement with me. You know, I, I brought it up and I said the thing, of what I just said of like, I have no problem getting a test, but to me it makes no sense of like, then why to show the vax passes. If we're all testing, I think someone who's unvaccinated should be allowed to come here just as much as someone who's vaccinated, right? And this dude, the amount of fucking mental gymnastics people will jump through in order to uh, continue the narrative is absolutely bonkers. And he's like, well, actually, no, because the tests aren't 100% accurate, so uh, you need the vaccination because it'll limit the symptoms. And I'm just like, Oh, and it was so funny because, like, again, I didn't think that's how the conversation was gonna go, and I could see Vilma as she as he started saying that, just kind of like chuckle, like, "Well, fucker, like that's you didn't think he was gonna go that way," and so I ended that conversation as soon as fucking possible, got out of there. That dude was fucking weirdo. That's why I thought he was gonna agree with me, and. I think I honestly, I think I had COVID two weeks ago. Um, I didn't get tested. I mean, I got tested a couple days ago before I came to Finland was negative. But I think two, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I had it. I wasn't sick at all. Um, but my smell and my taste for the last two weeks has not been very good. And for two weeks ago, it was like non-existent. And I just like didn't think about it at the time because like taste and smell is like this weird thing because our brains are strong and like way more powerful than we're led to believe. And so for a while I was like, oh, and like you can still feel the texture of things. And so my brain's like, oh, it tastes, it's just not very strong tasting or maybe I am tasting it, you know. And so, but I've realized like my taste is not very good. But other than that, I was completely fine. Um, it's just, and I know everyone's had a different kind of experience and all that stuff, but for me, it was, I must've gotten the Omicron because that's supposedly just like the most mild version ever. Although I don't know how you actually get tested for that. They never say tests. I've taken few tests now. They never say, well, I guess I've always tested negative but they don't say like positive Omicron, Delta, Alpha, Omega, fucking whatever. And so I don't, the variant thing is kind of weird to me. We should be celebrating the Omicron variant because it's way more, it's easily transmissible, but the symptoms are much, 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 much less, which like means, I mean, if everybody gets this thing, which at some point everybody's going to. I don't, it's like the common cold, which is like another, which is what a coronavirus is at its core. If everyone gets it, according to some doc, I mean, according to some people, you can get it twice. According to other doctors, you can't. Regardless, if getting it twice is incredibly rare, like chicken pox, if everybody fucking gets it, which I never got chicken pox, by the way. I'm just kind of built like that. I'm built different. If everybody gets it, it ends. So having one that's super spreadable and also not serious should be celebrated. Yet instead, it's being used for ultimate fear porn, fear mongering, and shutting things down. I mean, or just Going in fucking circles, man. And now the third booster. uh, uh, uh. But to try and stay on track. Because I got some shit written down here. I want to open up a COVID testing facility. Because as I said, I had to test before I flew back to Finland. I waited in line for five fucking hours to get a test. And to me, and maybe I'm illogical nowadays probably having healthy people wait in line for five hours to be told they're not sick is fucking insanity. And according to the Dr. Malone guy, I mean, it's just a, a good example of like mass psychosis that's going on. And so um, like to me, I want, I want to open up a COVID testing facility, man, because you have business nonstop. You're making some decent little bread. And I mean, the Portuguese, uh, that's, that's another thing I missed about Finland compared to Portugal is like the, the bureaucratical system. While Finland is a little bit extra with the amount of documents and the processes and all that stuff, they all run pretty smoothly. And people do their job. I just went to the tax office today and it was smooth. People were friendly Helpful, nice, answered all the questions in Portugal, bro. Oh, the Portuguese system is so just fucked. And they had, in this COVID testing facility, had one doctor, two people doing paperwork. And at a certain point, I didn't realize the doctor who was giving the tests was even the doctor, because she'd be outside talking to people And like telling them the rules and telling them the times and this and that. And so it was the slowest fucking line ever to get this test because of the system. Like sticking some shit up a nose doesn't take that long. And processing some paperwork, entering a name, date of birth, passport number doesn't take that fucking long. You know? And so to wait in line, I mean, I wasn't. I don't know how many, I would guess maximum 200 people in the five or five hours or whatever. 200 people divided by five. I don't know. It was going real slow. Let me just put it that way. And like same, just on the same thing of Portuguese system being fucked. When I had to get my car, my van towed, it took them a week to tow it a two hour drive. And, it was just, and then when, when they finally got it to the mechanics, they didn't even call me to tell me it got there. It's like... Ugh. So... Damn, I just realized my head's in the doorway. That kind of looks bad for video, but... Oh, oh, well, you live and you learn. Um, and so, yeah, like in Portugal now, and it's just weird like comparing the different places because as of December 1st, in order to get to fly into Portugal you had to show vax pass and a negative test in order to get in and then even with and to get into certain restaurants and venues same kind of thing and so the line was super long the guy behind me was Portuguese guy and he was going to a party for New Year's Eve so he needed to test to say he's not sick even though he's feeling healthy feeling good and so it's like To a certain degree, then what the fuck is the point of the vaccine? If you also need a negative test, which I'm, as I said, I'm fine with having to take the negative and get a negative test because to me that's a much better proving way of like not spreading it. But then why is it being pushed so fucking hard if it's essentially becoming irrelevant? You know, I got a couple little stats here of like according to whatever fucking thing it is 95% of the omicron cases in germany are from fully vaccinated people 28% have had the booster in the nhl national hockey league they're 100% vaxed they paused the season at a certain point due to covid a- outbreak so it's like logically again what's the fucking point You know, my, my logic for it and how I, and also the NHL thing is similar in the NFL, NBA, you know, they moved games around, even though the NFL said they weren't going to move games around. And so the the idea that it's just being pushed so hard, it's like, what the fuck? Why? You know, I mean, we know why, but mm, we have ideas. Why control? on a physical and population kind of way Mm. a lot of things well maybe we'll do we'll get into more conspiracies next time but here's my logic then now seeing two years into this seeing how it's going to explain my logic for not having and not getting the vaccine is like the odds are the odds of getting covid being unvaccinated getting covid and dying or having serious life altering risks or effects are very small you know the percentage of that happening is very very small you know the uh what is it the 99.9% of people live and and within my age range given my My personal status of a 31-year-old healthy male, yada, 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 the the odds of dying or having life-altering things, adverse side effects, is very, 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 very low. Very low. Also, then, if I take, then, the vaccine, I agree. The odds of having adverse side effects from the vaccine are incredibly, incredibly low. I don't think it's every other person or one in four. I think it's, I don't know if it's 99. I don't know what that number is because it's like impossible to fucking know because they censor everything regarding that. But let's just, for the sake of my argument, say that they're the same. So saying the chance of me being unvaccinated and dying from COVID is the same as getting vaccinated and dying from the vaccine again don't come at me i don't know if this is identical but just let's say i i think they're similar i think we could agree to that or having bad effects maybe death scares people obviously it scares people so let's say they're the same so i'm gonna then i'm gonna take a medicine to prevent myself from getting serious effects from something that already has a incredibly low percentage chance of happening, I'm basically just like trading one for the other in a sense. If, if both are the same, I have equal chance of getting both especially now that I think I've had COVID, like I'm going to choose the all-natural way. I've been trying to build up immunity, defense systems, being conscious about working out, eating healthy, all those things that no one ever fucking talks about. I'm going to go the all-natural version rather than the (laughs) pharmaceutically funded corrupt government (laughs) pressure-pushing route i'm gonna go with the one that makes most sense to me and so in my mind if both are the same why would i take something that has albeit a small percentage chance of fucking me up in order to protect me for something that has a small percentage chance of fucking me up i hope that made sense i i hope i hope that made sense um you know even though like to get into small little things is like, you know, the 30 year old male demographic, the mitoc- uh, mitocarditis and other things is like a much bigger chance. You know, a lot of countries, including Finland have limited, you know, they only, they only give or want to give Pfizer to people in my demographic because Moderna, I mean, we know what happened with Johnson and Johnson got recalled, but they've had, They've been kind of recalled in certain countries because of the heart issues. heart issues. Heart attacks and all that shit are way up. I know it's because media is saying because of climate change and people smoking weed and whatever fucking excuse they can make up. Um, and so, like again, I know maybe the idea of individuality is is scary to some, but that's like that's my logic behind all this shit. And as I said it like the the idea that then having to wait in line five hours to get tested while I feel healthy and I'm good is like a form of fucking mass psychosis mass psychosis. I mean, and if you watched, most recent Joe Rogan episodes with Robert Malone who was like on the team in of inventing the MRNA vaccine in the eighties or early nineties. I forget exactly what, who's now been censored and taken off all social medias because he doesn't follow the narrative that's been put out. Even though he's had a hand in and like has a hand in a lot of like things like, I haven't fully gotten through that one because uh, it's not very like funny and it's not, it's a lot of information, but it's not super entertaining, but there's a lot of like crazy shit that gets said. And also then the Peter McCullough one, who's also the most published like virologist or epidemiologist, one of the two most published and cited guys in the field that he's talking about is being censored for talking about the field that he's an expert in. When you see those things you're like, oh. Uh, hmm." And Twitter's such a funny place to like see people talk about Joe Rogan that have never listened to Joe Rogan. And I'm like, "No, I kind of I kind of don't like Joe Rogan to a degree. I listen to a lot of the shit that he puts out because I I really respect him and he's kind of a a role model or a in uh, inspiration. But especially like right around when he signed the Spotify deal, I didn't fuck with him because he was like getting real um it's like he'd never wanted to say his own opinion and I I like I understand that too because like he was getting a lot of shit and canceled blah blah. That's like some real shit. And now he's like back to like speaking his mind, which I like and respect because it's like I'm not necessarily going to adopt his viewpoint, but it's just nice to hear people truly speaking their minds because nowadays it's uh, a lot of people don't do that out of fear of getting outcasted or fired or canceled or whatever. Um, so it, it, it just, I, I, this is crazy to say, but I, I hope it doesn't happen, but it'll be a hell of a clip if it does. I have a feeling Rogan, the way things are going, I have a feeling Rogan's going to get assassinated in the next like five years because the way big tech and pharma and everything's trying to take over and control everything, like you see the numbers. Rogan is head and shoulders above all mainstream media. And mainstream media does a good job of like pegging him as like this conspiracy guy and all these things and for the most part like the the people and the that are too far gone that'll never come around unless like there's no reason uh, they'll never come around they'll die like just being led to the fucking rapture i don't know if that even makes sense but like the sh- I, I i don't even like using the word sheep anymore because it's like became way too fucking commercialized but you know they're the the for lack of a better word, like the sheep that'll just get led off the cliff and will wa- willingly walk off the cliff and kill themselves. There's a lot of people that are at that point that will just listen and do whatever they're told because it's it's easier to listen and not have to think and just do what you're told. A lot of people find comfort in that. And I understand that. I don't I don't necessarily blame you. I blame you if you complain about it. But no, I, I think Rogan's going to get assassinated in the next five years because... Or like the aliens are going to assassinate... Aliens. They're already prepping us that Operation Blue Beam. Look that up if you think I'm a conspiracy theorist. Um, because he's, he's disrupting the system right now. And I think the U.S. Well, we're, we're slowly going downhill... On the way to a big boulder to crash, China's climbing up the hill. But the thing, China will do it. They don't give a fuck how they do it. Like China's not trying to do it in a mm, like nice way. You know, China's like essentially 1984 right now, where they're bringing uh, vaccine or like I don't even know COVID deniers and stuff, and like publicly humiliating and shaming them. But I don't think the U.S. is too far behind them because, ironically, you put you become what you put your energy towards. And so we used to always talk shit about China and censorship and da 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 da. Look at us now. We're maybe a little better, but we're not too much better. Where I've had a couple, I've had a buddy, couple buddies that have lived and been in China for a while, and like, you know, they say like the government can just like stop and drug test you on the street. Probably it's super rare. And if you fail, depending on who you are, which where you're at, like people just disappear in China. They just and if you've read nineteen eighty-four, that also happens. So I think we're we're headed that way. I I'd love to be hopeful and tell you everything's gonna be okay. We're gonna get through it. Although I in terms of COVID, I'm the most hopeful I've ever been with the whole Omicron thing. Granted, the the news and the media will spin it and fear-porn it as much as they can but at a certain point I I got to believe I'm I'm more hopeful than I was 3 months ago that people will figure it out like I said there's certain people that are too far gone that'll never figure it out and don't want to cuz that would be really fucking uncomfortable for them but I think we're slowly 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 getting there um you know, it's just like, I just wonder too, like what the next conspiracy theory that's going to come true will be. Because if you look at the the rap sheet of conspiracy theorists right now, like first saying that it was created in a lab was a conspiracy theory that got you censored and banned from social media. That's like pretty much generally accepted as the thing now. Um and, like, for whatever reason, that just gets completely overlooked. Like, no one even talks about that anymore. And again, I don't, I'm not a scientist, but this is just my logic again that if you're then creating a vaccine for a virus that you think at the time you're making the vaccine, you think the virus is a, a naturally occurring thing, I just the way I view it, you would. Do it differently if you knew it was man-made or man-manipulated. And so the fact that the vaccine hasn't really done what it's been promised to do, I think is due to the fact that the virus isn't something that's natural like we've seen in the past, whether it be H1N1 or smallpox or measles or whatever the one they want to uh use as an example for why we we should get vaccines because they've always been there and da-da-da-da-da. So to me, that that's just like logic of like, okay, well, if if I was making something for something thinking it was a certain way, but really it was something else, wouldn't that change how I m- manufacture the response to it? So, but then You know, the next conspiracy is, like, the vax pass thing is going to exclude people from society. That was considered, like, ultimate fucking conspiracy. That's pretty much generally accepted and also, like, encouraged by a lot of people nowadays. Then saying, like, well, it's not going to stop at two shots was a... a, um, um. conspiracy what's the paranoid conspiracy thing because i remember when the vax pass from france came out it had like eight slots or six slots even the u.s one had i think four slots maybe five and everyone said well why the fuck is there three why are there extra slots if it's you know they're they're already prepping you for it and it's already there oh that's just paranoid conspiracy theories now, I mean, Israel just approved the fourth shot for the most vulnerable, which is how the boosters always start, is by the most vulnerable. And the Netherlands, the Dutch government, has already said they're prepared to give up to six boosters, which, if you look at the French thing, eight slots, that's two for the vaccine, six boosters. It's hmm. ironic, you could say. You know, it's it just... Those are some some things. I don't know what the next one could be. I don't know where we're at at this point. It's just like, you know, there's just so many things that are, don't add up. You know, when nurses and doctors are being fired amidst a situation in a pandemic where they're saying that hospitals are overloaded, like those two things don't add up hospitals are overloaded. You're not then going to fire nurses and fire doctors. Like, you know, either one of the two is a lie. Um, and I I love on that idea, like when people bring up the fact like hospitals are overcrowded and I agree they are probably overcrowded in certain places, but mm, hospitals for the most part from what I know, which isn't much, they're always like close to capacity. Like, this idea that they're like before the pandemic, hospitals were just empty is absurd. Like, the pharmaceutical, the health industry, especially in the US, I'm speaking, is for profit, it's for money. And even in other places, like, someone's making money one way or another. And so, to think like before the pandemic, it was just, a empty hospital is incredibly naive um, and I just worry like so much about the uh, like next generation you know I know now I'm sounding like an old guy and I realize I'm getting there more and more every day and at first when I thought made this thought I was thinking of you know the kids that are like in preschool kindergarten now who Like, their only memories are of how the world is right now. And I was like, that's, like, fucked up and scary. But then as I told the story of high school stuff that I think has created some major trauma for me that I'm, like, slowly getting over. I then thought about, like, the kids in high school, like, my age then and knowing. Because I don't really remember shit that happened to me when I was five, you know. 5 or 6 or 7 yeah, like maybe there is some shit that happened then that like I haven't figured out but and is traumatic and like has has I've I'm struggling to get over but that's not where my memory really is like now as an adult or as an older kid <laughs> but you know I can I can remember shit from 14 to 18 really well and thinking like how influential those times are and what kind of influence those kids are having now that that's what scares me just probably actually even more than the the young five-year-olds is because I think at some point it'll end and it's I think that the the five-year-olds have a chance to like get over it whereas and forget about it necessarily but whereas that 14 to 18, or that kind of high school, middle school range, like that shit's going to be in their memory and stick in their memory. And whether it's one way or the other of like being really trusting in the government and following all the rules or then also being skeptical of it, because I'm sure there's both sides, that's not going to be good for the future, in my opinion. So... Yeah, dude. I think I, uh, I think I got kind of all that off. shit. I'm almost at two hours. Let me let me just look back at some of this shit here. Oh, I got one more thing. One more thing regarding this. Like I said, Henny, I I had a full clip ready for you. He said, "Where's the two-hour Christmas edition?" Here it comes. And I d- I had some good shit I said about Christmas in the episode that got deleted, but oh well. I'll summarize that real quick. I think for next Christmas, I'm going to go home because I totally miss doing Christmas in the States. Christmas Eve is my favorite holiday. It's also my dad's birthday. And he's like the ultimate dad because he, we would always go Christmas shopping for my mom on Christmas Eve. And you're not a dad unless you go shopping on Christmas Eve. But I, I just miss that time. It's a lot of fun with my friend or my family. And I, I I miss them. I'd like to see them, you know. My cousins have two kids that I haven't seen now. Um, I just I've spent I've had some good Christmases over the years abroad, but I've also like been alone at certain times and, and that's a I don't mind really being alone, but that's kind of a time that it gets a little more depressing when you're alone and I was super fucking alone this one. But I then also look at it positively because it's like, as I started this whole thing is sometimes you know who you are, know who you want by learning who you are not or learning what you don't want. So that's, that's the short, I think I told a story or something about a present or, but anyway, I don't know. We'll, Tell some more Christmas stories next year, or if you want to hear Christmas stories, let me know. But uh, yeah, the the weirdest thing for me, oh my aunt's aunt's home. Last thing on fucking weird, the COVID shit is just the being in ten different countries over the last three months is just the complete diversity in way things are handled, and so like right now in Finland. I think bars close at five, restaurants close at eight, but masks aren't required anywhere. And then you go to Portugal and it's, everything is open, but you need a vax pass and a fucking negative test. But then inside anywhere, they are mask Nazis. Like I was asked multiple times because I hate wearing the fucking mask because it doesn't help. I mean, it helps if you're wearing a new one every fucking time, but when I take the same one out of my pocket for a week, I'm only going to, the, the times I've been sick in the last two years are the times where I'm wearing a mask the most, ironically. um, And so it's just crazy to me that how each place handles it differently and all that stuff and like. It's kind of surprising to me that shit's closed here in Finland the way it is closed. Because that doesn't seem like their style. One of the things I missed most about here while being in other countries was just the freedom aspect. And, you know, coming from an American guy, freedom is like our call to action. But And I would honestly consider Finland in a way more free than the US, obviously, right? Now, at least the blue states, Florida and Finland. Florida, I think, takes a cake for freedom. Um, But yeah, it's just been weird to see all the weird little changes and differences and all that kind of shit, you know, like the... I, I just love also Biden... Wishing everyone a Merry Christmas, but then also telling (laughs) the unvaccinated that they're going to have like a miserable death winter or something. I don't I know that wasn't his exact quote. And then within the same week, they reduced uh, quarantine time from 10 days to five days. It's like, oh, okay. Like, it's all just like scare tactics. That's what I think in terms of traveling and all that stuff. I, you know, I got the van because I thought, oh, I don't want to have to deal with testing and da, 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 da. Flying was simple, man. Got the test. Yeah. I had to wait five hours in line for it. I think I probably could have, I would have been able to get on the flight in, I would have been able to get to Finland because the, the rule, they make everything so obscure that you don't really know what the rules are. And so on the Finnish air website, it said like, if you're, you, you need to either be double vaccinated, have one vax, have the booster, a paper that proves you've had it, get a test within 72 hours, and then, like, under all that, it said. But if you can't do any of those, then you just need to get tested 24 hours upon arrival. And so, like, all this stuff about traveling and, I mean, the, the powers that be. I think wants you to be uh, stationary stationary. Yeah. Because then you stay in your bubble and when you stay in your bubble and you don't talk to anybody and you only watch social media and the news, you become brainwashed and then you think the world's a certain way and you think it's way worse than it really is. And then you don't want to talk to people and then you can't learn that we're all the same. And then you hate people and like, that's all part of it. I mean, just if I, I talk about it all the time, but if you haven't read the book 1984 at this point, just read it. And I mean, if you're listening to me two hours in, you've probably either read it or you already agree with everything. So I mean, not agree with everything. I hope, I hope you don't agree with everything I hear say. I'd like to hear what you don't agree with, but um, yeah, two hours. I think that's good a today good to see y'all until next time peace and much love Holla.